You sure Dad's ready? Ready as will ever be. He's got two screens going. We got this. All right. Hello, everyone. Hi. I'm Daniel. I'm Carrie. I'm Patrick. I'm Ken. And welcome to the 1965 Academy Awards. This is If I Ran the Oscars, our podcast where we look at one film from every year of the Oscars, and we take a look at what it won for, as well as three other random categories to see what else the movie was good at and what else we can pay attention to. And this is totally unscripted. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is just the way we roll. Yep. I uh, This year, we hit a movie that I think we probably wouldn't have talked about otherwise in passing, because I don't think... I mean, it would take us a while for some of these people to come back. And this what, is... You mean talking about movies from my childhood? Well, yeah. Also that. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Mary Poppins. Now, those of you who are alive now and don't have a memory back to the 60s... And are much younger than me. ...will recall a film, Mary Poppins Returns, I... With Emily Blunt. With Emily Blunt in it, which is a semi-sequel loosely based off of the future, the further Mary Poppins novel. This film is more loosely based on the first Mary Poppins novel. Sort of. Kind sort of. of. Not There's, really. That's a long story, and if you have a slightly longer memory than 2018, <laughs> you'll have a memory of 2013 with the film Saving Mr. Banks, which mm-hmm. is the film about the making of this film. Correct. Yes. Right. Where Indeed. Tom Hanks is playing Walt Disney. Yes. And Emma Thompson is playing P.L. Travers. Yeah. Uh, there, there's long stories about how P.L. Travers did not was not happy with the production of this film in many different ways. Right. Well, Disney courted and cajoled her to get the rights to the book. Yeah, the, and then was not... He just did his thing and kind of took the yeah. story away from her. Now... That's the way I, they portray I, it. That's, well, that's what Wikipedia says happened, it's too. It's pretty right. much what happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why Disney kept doing this crap is because it kept working. Right. right. He could butcher the Grimm's fairy tales and all of that mm-hmm. because it just kept making so darn much money. Right. Uh, interestingly, 13 Academy Award nominations. The most for a film released by Walt Disney Studios. Ever or up to that time? According to this, it looks like ever. Wow. Hmm. One interesting. five Academy Awards to date. Well, I mean, at this point, mm-hmm. Walt Disney has died and therefore right. it cannot be surpassed. This is the only film Walt Disney was involved with to be nominated for Best Picture. It did not win. Not even Snow White. Not even Snow White. This is the only one. Well, back then, animation was kind of its own side yeah, thing. That's true. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, there's a lot of people in this one. This is not a super star-studded cast, but I believe for this podcast, it's one of the first films where the, a majority of the main cast is still alive. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because of Mary Poppins and Bert and the two kids and the mom and the dad, four of them are alive. And unfortunately, one of them is one of the kids. Oh. Yeah. He died at 21. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the little boy... The pancreatitis or something wow. he was in three films and all three of them were with the girl in the movie as well mm. hmm. but wonder if they had the same agent probably uh but first we have to talk about julie andrews julie andrews boy howdy julie <laughs> andrews this was her first feature film yep and before that is actually important because before this she was doing broadway right she was the lead in my fair lady on broadway and did a very good job, and everyone liked her. 
she she uh, signed to appear with Bing Crosby in what sources call the first made-for-TV film called High Tor, which I've never heard of. But yeah. High what? High Tor. In 1956. As in T-O-R? Mm. T-O-R. Which is a, a rocky formation yeah. mm-hmm. like yeah, on the moors. Yep. Uh, she was also in Rodgers and Hammerstein's TV musical Cinderella. Oh, wait. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like, I have a copy of that? Yeah. I sing those songs all the time. Uh, she was Queen, Queen Guinevere with Richard Burton in mm. Camelot. And then, gasp. While she was doing Camelot, film studio head Jack Warner decided that she lacked sufficient name recognition to be cast in the film version of My Fair Lady, and thus was replaced by Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Oh, tragedy. We oh, shall yeah. be getting to her very shortly. Right. Because My Fair Lady won Best Picture this year, and Best Director, and Audrey Hepburn was not nominated for Best Actress. Surprising. Right? Oh. For a few reasons. One... People were looking forward to Julie Andrews. Right. Well, because she'd done the Broadway show. Two, apparently most of Audrey Hepburn's singing was dubbed. Right, right. And not actually her, which, having seen her in a film, does not surprise us. Right, (laughs) exactly. And, where's the quote? Where's the I got you now quote? Here's how Wikipedia puts it. As a measure of sweet revenge, as Poppin' songwriter Richard Sherman puts it, Andrews closed her acceptance speech at the Golden Globes by saying, And finally, my thanks to a man who made a wonderful movie and who made all this possible in the first place, Mr. Jack Warner. She thanked the guy that didn't let her be in My Fair Lady. Right, because then she had an opportunity to be in this production. Correct. Then she went on to do some other things. I I decided to pull up IMDb, which I haven't been doing as much, but it helps with what's her like top four things. Can you guess what her top four movies are? Sound of Music. That's number one. Princess Diaries. That's number three. Oh, golly. Oh, I'm golly. guessing okay, wait. something like Victor Victoria. That's number four. Uh-huh. That wasn't my favorite, but... And number two is Mary Poppins. Wow. But yep, she's still doing She's things. still working. Uh-huh. Uh, she's in a lot of soundtracks, obviously, because she did a lot of singing. Her most recent performance was in Aquaman. No way. The superhero movie as the voice of the big leviathan that guards the pointy spear. You know, I think I remember that. Previous to that, in 2017, was her third time being Gru's mom in Despicable Me. She's the queen. That's right. She's the queen in Shrek. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's this, it's a cartoon TV show where the, like this, it starts out as a bad guy named Gru. But he, he's got a soft spot in his heart for these little girls. And his mother is voiced by Julie Ant, which is, yeah. I think, hilarious. She's the narrator in the movie Enchanted. Mm-hmm. I, right. I mean, Princess Diaries, a pretty good example. I, she plays herself in a movie called Unconditional Love in 2002. She's done she's done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Boy. Right, mm-hmm. right. She's in some of the Pink Panther movies. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, she was damed in 2000. Oh, really? Yep. No, no. She has been damed. Her and Judy Dench. Helen Mirren. Yep. Uh, adjusted for inflation, by the way, The Sound of Music is the third highest grossing film of all time in the Good. That's big. Yep. Uh, yeah. She you know, just started a lot of things, do a lot of things. I sang all these songs as a little kid. You did. We had uh, an <laughs> LP with all of the... 
all the songs, and I'm sure that Wanda and I sang. I told you I was thinking of the songs while I was doing this today, <laughs> and I thought of at least four that I could sing, <laughs> or hum, or something. Next person we got to talk about is Dick Van Dyke, right? Who again we probably won't talk about again on this podcast, mostly because he was more known for TV. Dick Van Dyke show. That is why most people would know him. Yes, I. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also got started on Broadway. Of right. course. Well, because he's a dancer. Yep. I mm-hmm. uh, listed significant roles. Bye Bye Birdie, Mary Poppins, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I remember that one. Hey, do you know who wrote the book Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? We've talked about before. Probably. I don't remember. Ian Fleming. Oh, yeah. James Bond writer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really? He's also been in the comic Dick Tracy, Curious George in 2006, <laughs> Night at the Museum and the sequel, and Mary Poppins Returns. Wow. They also apparently tried to do a new Dick Van Dyke show a decade after, and it didn't last as long. He has five primetime Emmys, a Tony, and a Grammy. Good for him. He's been doing stuff. Uh, A slightly interesting fact, he does not have a Cockney accent. Well, no. no. Not normally. And in this film, he also doesn't have a Cockney accent Mm. because it's awful. Mm. It's it's kind of all over the the map. Yeah. I don't think he needed one. No. Mm -hmm. I... It was more of a caricature of an accent. Correct. And I think the acting sometimes in this film was over the top as a la high school musicals. In a 2003 poll of the worst film accents of all time, he came in second to Sean Connery doing an Irish accent. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. funny. In 2017, he was selected to receive an award for TV excellence from BAFTA. At which time he said, I appreciate this opportunity to apologize for inflicting on them the most atrocious Cockney accent in the history of cinema. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of interesting. Uh, the dad, David Tomlinson, he stuck around for a while. He was in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks mm-hmm. as well as The Love Bug. In this film, he was not only the vo- he was not only himself, but he voiced one other character. Oh, some of the animal? One animal? He was the voice of the umbrella. Oh, too funny. No the umbrella. There, right at the that end. That puppet umbrella. Yep. That looks so like old school, like Disneyland, animatronic, um, it's a small world puppets. I'll be talking about that. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Also, Julie Andrews was the whistling Robin during the medicine go down. Oh, oh that really? makes yep. sense. That's her whistling. Huh. Yeah, All those right. birds that, I mean, also... Walt yep. Disney animatronic. Uh, Glynis Johns is still alive. Glynis Johns. She's old. She's, she's the mom. She's seven years old. She's the mom. And she was. We yep. recognize her from Court Jester with Danny Kay, mm-hmm. which everyone should watch. Everyone should watch. I uh, let's see here uh, in a, a little night music. And wait a minute. And now this year is the hundredth anniversary in the United States of women's suffrage. Correct. So I appreciate the. Yep. We're bringing it back around. I've heard the song Send in the Clowns, but I've only heard it from The Simpsons, where a clown sings it. But right. apparently on Broadway, Glynis John sings it. Oh. Because it's from A Little Night Music. Huh. Uh, when Olivia de Havilland died this year, it made Glynis Johns the oldest living Academy Award nominee in an acting. Oh, wow. She is one of the last surviving stars from the golden age of Hollywood. Yeah, and... Yeah. And, you know, if you want to know something obscure, she was Pen- Lady Penelope P. Soup in the Batman series. <gasps> was? Do you remember? 
<laughs> you mean way back in the TV series yeah, when we were the, kids? Yeah, the 67 TV I series. I did not remember that. Is that, that I funny? believe that's the same TV series that had Vincent Price playing Egghead. Uh, no, he was the Joker or something. No, no, no. 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 No, no. No, the Joker was somebody else. Caesar or something. Oh, yes, 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 uh-huh. yes. No, Caesar Romero. Caesar Romero, thank you. No, Egghead is a, a, pun, mm-hmm. a guy mm-hmm. that only does egg puns. Mm-hmm. His crimes are excellent and extraordinary. That's right. That's He's right. going to scramble Batman. <laughs> I can't believe this stuff I've missed in my family. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure you've missed this. <laughs> you were at work and we were home watching yeah. TV. Vincent Price as an egghead doesn't. Yeah. Just well, doesn't, he has a big bald head because he's an egg. Compute. Yeah. I. And then they had him on Sesame Street, but he was. Vincent twice, Vincent twice. Yes. Uh, the other two people that I pulled up for knowing who they are is the guy who loves to laugh I is love Ed Wynn. Mm-hmm. And very specifically, me, what was his name again? Ed Wynn. Oh, I knew I, I mm-hmm. knew I heard that voice mm-hmm. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only place I knew for sure I had heard his voice was Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, his kid was Keenan Wynn, another big mm-hmm. actor. Gotta yeah. love his picture on IMDb. Man, he what? looks like a Mad Hatter because that's what he was. That was the Mad Hatter. Yeah. 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 He's done a lot of other things. He was in That Darn Cat. He had roles is in The Absent-Minded Professor, uh, Son of Flubber. His final performance was in Walt Disney's Gnome-Mobile. Hmm. And then there is Jane Darwell, who in this film plays the bird lady who has tuppence a bag. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she played the main lady in The Grapes of Wrath, which is kind of a big deal. (laughs) And she did a lot of TV. She she got uh, Best Supporting Actress for The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, She has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I think a fair number of people in this film might, actually. Uh, And if you look at her her record of of work, she worked. I mean, she was... She was doing stuff. Her agent stuff was busy. Back to... Those interns were reading scripts all mm-hmm. the time. Well, in, in 1913, she was doing stuff. Wow. Can you imagine? Now, since we're here to talk about the song, there are two things we need to know. Number one... Which song was it? Well, it's the song. Well, Sup- there's several Sup- songs. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. No, I thought that that didn't win for the Academy Award. Did it not? I thought no. for sure that one was the one. I think it's Chim Chim Cheree. I'm going to scroll down for a second. We're gonna see who is right There's and who is dead. You music. are you are right. However, see. However, I did find it interesting because I did look it up. This this film did not invent the word. It didn't invent the word. It came from the book. Oxford English Dictionary first records the word with a different spelling in a column in the Daily Orange from Syracuse University in 1931. Huh. Did P. L. Travers take it? Was it in her book or no? I do or not the, believe so. Okay. Hmm. I read the books to you guys when you were growing up, but I don't yep. remember all the details. I just remembered that the books yeah. I wonder what, were different uh, from the film. What the university was doing with it. I wonder why why they would come up with it. Is it a competition for the longest word in English? It's possible. <clears throat> Let me see. A... Student Humor Magazine. Yeah, I don't have a link to that particular article, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to go to an etymology yeah. well, it, it, site. However... Something that we can talk about, because it doesn't matter which song it is, is the guys that wrote it. Sherman Brothers. The Sherman Brothers. Would you like to hear a short list of things they've worked on? Yes. Because yes. they have a long list and we don't have time. Mary Poppins, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, 
The Jungle Book, except for The Bare Necessities. Someone else read that. Bedknobs and Broomsticks, The Happiest Millionaire, Charlotte's Web, and The Aristocats. However, this is not their most well-known work. Their most well-known work, which according to Time.com, is the most performed song of all time. Oh, it's a small world. It's a small world after all. all. Oh, for heaven's sake. It's a small I had heard that that trivia just recently. Yep. And that was these guys. Because it's you know, it's the Epbot blog people. Epcot? No, it's Epbot. And they were one of their do it yourself craft projects. They made a wall clock that looked like the clock from Mm -hmm. It's a Small World. They got the National Medal of Honor in two thousand and eight. They wrote the score to the Tigger movie in 2000. Mm-hmm. They were still they were still kicking. Wow. They did they were did the music for all of the early Winnie the Pooh movies. And Heffalumps and Wizzles? I think that was Ooh, I think oh. it was one of theirs, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Must be. I, they are credited in films like Saving Mr. Banks, Mary Poppins Returns because it's reusing their music, but I do sure. not believe They weren't an overall charge in the They were not an overall charge. However, there was a musical concert started in 2014 called A Spoonful of Sherman, <laughs> which is basically just their music. Oh, close. So, those guys pretty good. Uh, sure. This movie, we say this a lot of we don't need to talk about the plot so much because it's good and you should watch it. Any major points we should hit? I think it was uh, it was probably very innovative to have live action along with animation. I'm glad you brought that up. Me too. Because I looked that up too. Well, it or it was, maybe they weren't the first ones to do it, but it was done better than people had done it previously. During the popularity of the silent films in the 20s and 30s, Max Fleischer had a series where his cartoon interacted with the live world. Inspired, a variation of this, and inspired by Fleischer, Walt Disney's first directorial efforts were the live-action animated Alice comedies, where a young girl named Alice interacted with animated cartoon characters. Many previous films combining live-action were stop-motion, back projection. First feature film to do it was The Lost World, 1925. Uh, but it was not a mainstay yep. of uh, well, theater. Uh, Song of the oh. South had zippity doo Was that before this one? That was in 1946. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mary Poppins, one of the best-known... Obviously. Bed knobs and broomsticks would follow along and do similar things. Mm-hmm. Pete's Dragon, 1977. Yeah. And then 1988, probably the, I would consider Roger the most Rabbit. popular one, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And that one is memorable because they went to great lengths to make the animated characters interacting with the real world. And they did so, and I've seen some behind-the-scenes stuff, by having sticks with things on the ends of them and then they just painted over it with animation. Right, so the human actors had something to look yeah, at. Yeah, so in this one, there's penguins that are distributing menus, but the menus are animated, and the people are just standing there with their hands out, mm-hmm. pretending to hold a menu. Right. In Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there are penguin waiters in a strip club, <laughs> and they are carrying real trays with drinks on them, not animated trays. And they achieved this by having slots in the floor where you would have a stick poking through the floor with a tray on top of it and someone underneath the floor walking along with a stick. <laughs> and then they would paint over it with a penguin. Very Muppet-like. If I may be a critic, I, I think they missed a missed an excellent opportunity to do something along these same lines. And that is, 
I thought that four penguins dancing a human being in the first place, crazy. Second place, four penguins who can't fly and can hardly walk are up there mm -hmm. hot-footing hot it. <laughs> and it just, why didn't they break out into a, like a four-part barbershop harmony or something? I, I, I don't know. It just struck me. Perhaps because then they would have upstaged Dick Van Dyke, and we can't have that. Well, and, uh, yeah, but you know, Dick Van Dyke, he was... He, he can was, handle he it. He was going to make it anyway. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In any case, yes, there is more history to this, but this is one of the most well-known. Right, right. Uh, other than that, we could talk about the controversy of getting the film made and mm -hmm. changing the time period and the characterization. Some of the props. Some of the props. Did you notice the uh, the non-Tiffany Tiffany lamp in the bedroom? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. ah, mm -hmm. Well, the, the lamp almost got smashed, but somebody, you know. Yeah. This right. was, this, well. So an Admiral Boom. I still don't understand what on earth he does. He is the banana in that bread box. He's the comic relief, apparently. He's just there. He's Dogberry. Yeah. The, the comic relief is Dick Van Dyke, let's yeah. be honest. Right, right. No, but this guy's the Dogberry in the show. He's, I mean, he's It's the... very odd Yeah. that he exists at all. Uh, but if we want to skip to the good parts, one, best song. Chim Chim Chim. This is a good, it's a good song. Uh, it was going up against a song by Henry Manzini. Mm. Yeah, but didn't he win last year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he won the past couple years. Uh, and two songs by Jimmy Van H uh, Heusen from two different movies. Are these any of these songs songs that we recognize? Uh, Maybe not you, but Do you know me. Dear Heart from Dear Heart? No. Okay, that's the Henry Manzini one. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Oh, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, My Kind of Town from Robin and the Seven Hoods. Mm, I don't know that one. And Where Love Has Gone from the movie of the title. I remember seeing a kind of a documentary showing the brothers how they, uh, they got their inspirations for some of this stuff, and they were they were marching around <laughs> marching around the breakfast table, uh, putting together chim chim true chim tree. It was just one. They were working with each other. It was very very interesting. Well, it clearly worked because yeah, it right. was a good song. Yeah, they were able to bounce off a lot of. I mean, this had a variety of. Yeah, and the rhyme the rhymes were simple, mm -hmm. and to the extent that we could understand them despite Dick Van Dyke's terrible accent. Correct. Uh, next thing, best special effects, which, let's see here. I mean, Admiral Boom's fireworks? Well, there's yep. a lot of different things. There's, there's uh, animation. Yeah. You know, jumping yeah. into the chalk pictures. Yep. There were, in fact, <laughs> only two films nominated for best special visual effects. Oh. And this one won. What was the other one? Seven Faces of Dr. Lau. Oh, he would have had several faces. Yeah. Uh, not Goldfinger. No, not that. Which was this year and got an award for something else as I went scrolling by. Yeah, yeah that got best sound effect hmm. for having cool lasers. Pew, pew. Oh. <laughs> it had a cool laser. Uh, next thing we're talking about, best actor, a.k.a. Dick Van Dyke. Do we think that Dick Van Dyke was the best actor this year? No. Do we think he was even nominated? No. No, he was not. No. The acting was over, like I said before, over the top, yeah. kind of like high school musical. But lots of other, I mean, he had a lot of work to do because he had to compete mm -hmm. with Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady, Richard Burton, Peter O'Toole, Anthony Quinn, and Peter Sellers. Uh, <laughs> That's a pretty good nah, stack. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so no we're, we're sorry. This film was not about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we forgive him anyway. Yeah. And best adapted screenplay, which this one definitely would have been 
It's going to be best screenplay based on material from another medium, is what they would call it. How do we think this one did? Well, it seemed disjointed to me. I mean, if if you're looking at it from a a storyline, there were lots of different things, and it would just all of a sudden, like a musical, all of a sudden break out into song, and you think, where are we going now? But it it depends also if you care about the the book, the original book, even if you the radical difference of the movie from the book. But even if you don't think about that, just this as its own story was odd. I think specifically the step in time bit. Mm-hmm. is kind of pointless to the plot other than we have to cause problems and they cause problems for a significant period of time it keeps happening it's not like what we're you mentioned you know it's different than the choreography of west side story but west side story's choreography is always in service to the plot correct and that just kind of seemed like it was there to do stuff just to dance yeah here in this movie mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the step in time part I enjoyed the whole work. I, yeah. I'm sorry. Right. Oh, I, no. I mean, it, it, yeah. I think it was entertaining, but I think that it was, if I'm looking at it as, as uh, this is a vehicle to tell a story from beginning to end, then I think some of the pieces... It didn't have to be two, over two hours. Right. It was nominated. I wish it was three. Hmm. It was nominated for Best Screenplay. It lost out to Beckett. Also, well, in, also in that category this year, Dr. Strangelove, My Fair Lady, and Zorba the Greek. Well, there's some heavy hitters. Yep. Some big uh, things. Fun mentions. Uh, in the Mary Poppins Returns, there are two people in this film that appear in that film. One of them is Karen Dottris, who played the little girl. Hmm. Oh. She, in fact, has a cameo mm-hmm. asking herself for directions. <laughs> oh. Except she's not herself anymore. Right, right. Now she's just a person. Yeah. Right. But right, she right. asks the her, little girl. her character, who's now grown up, and Dick Van Dyke. Still alive, still acting in 2018. In Mary Poppins First, he plays Mr. Dawes Sr. Right, the old guy at the bank. Yep, who dies at the end. Spoilers, mm-hmm. he dies because he laughed at a funny joke. And in Mary Poppins Returns, he plays Mr. Dawes Jr. Mm. Oh, that's funny. Who is a yeah. different guy in this film, obviously, yeah. but right, right, right. not around. And mm-hmm. you got to get Dick Van Dyke in there somewhere. And funny thing between those two as well... Dick Van Dyke's name is on the credits twice in this one because he plays two parts. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, when it comes to Mr. Dawes Sr., his name is all mixed up and then his letters magically rearrange themselves and it's slightly charming. Oh. And it does the same thing in the 2018 film, even though he's only in that one once. Hmm. A little homage. You know, it's, it's interesting when you dig in and start looking at things about the film. So I, was, I just caught this looking at the cast. Um, the geese in the scene where they're in the chalk painting. Yeah. The geese are voiced by Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon, for those who may or may not know, did vocal, uh, singing vocals for people. Um, she wasn't credited, but yeah. Deborah Kerr, Natalie Wood, Audrey Hepburn. She did She did uh, music in The King and I, West Side Story, and in... Of all things, My Fair Lady. Yeah, she was the lady so that replaced really, Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, yeah she did really, her, her. She singing. did her vocals. Yeah. It's just really interesting to see that those those strange overlaps of everybody knows everybody, you know. Huh. Uh, yep, American Soprano and Ghost Singer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, this was a good movie, and I think sure. made up slightly for last week's movie being slightly Meh. underwhelming. Yeah. 
We'll see what happens next time. I don't think we're talking about songs anymore. I think we get to be done talking about songs. Didn't, Dan didn't tell me what we're watching next week. I've not told you yet. Uh, I will tell you that it's not the library. I did check. We have to get through other. We we're clever. We'll we're clever. We'll figure it out. We don't. We don't pre um, preview what we're going to do. Next. Sometimes we do. Usually we, we don't. We could, but we we don't have to. We probably won't. Yeah. Watch this one. Watch it with the kids. Watch your kids be very confused about what's going on and what that telephone is. Because he has the old telephone. He has the old telephone. I think Otto has that telephone now. Does he know? Uh-huh. I thought the Strobel's ended up with that nope. one. Otto's got it. Just right. listen to the music in this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All, right. All right. We want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.